my first performance was at the Casa Camino Real. It was like downtown. And I was so drunk. I, was, I, I got out the car throwing up. Got to the stage. It was live on the radio. I'm cursing on the mic. That was King T. Here it comes. Here it comes. You're listening to Fresh Era, where we tell stories from the legends of the golden era of hip-hop. Each episode, we bring you stories from the pioneers themselves as we dive deeper into their lives, their struggles, and what it was like to be a part of the most popular form of music before it was mainstream. I'm your host, Craig Smith, and on today's episode, we're bringing you the story of a West Coast legend, King T. Not only was he a pioneer on the microphone, he was also one of the first to bring hip-hop to the commercial space with St. Ives. He was one of the West Coast All-Stars, a part of the song, We're All in the Same Game, and he brought the world the alcoholic. But his road to hip-hop success was far from smooth. As he grew up, it became apparent that he would stop at nothing to become a part of hip-hop. That drive drove him for decades, but that same drive almost put him away. My name is Roger King T. McBride. I was born in Los Angeles, California in 1968. And the story of his origin is somewhat a teenage love story. She ran away and was in the city in L.A., and that's how she met my father. My grandma ran the girls' home my father's mother, and that's where she met my father and got pregnant by my father and had me. She was about 16. And these young parents kept the vibes going with music in the house. R&B, mostly jazz and, and, and reggae, all types of music. That, that's, uh, that's one thing that they, they, on my father and my mother's side, music stayed in the house. And his father was musical himself. Back in his day, you know what I'm saying, he used to play the guitar. He could sing. I think he had a band. Everybody in my family just loved music. And that love for music was fed by the radio. KGFJ, 1230 KGFJ AM. KGFJ, Los Angeles. We didn't know nothing about rap or hip-hop anything and we just heard the djs that time they would rap to like what was the instrumental good times and these radio stations would do like little promos where they just rhyming talking and rhyming and then rappers delight came out the DJing thing, the scratching and cutting and mixing, going back and forth. That's what I was into. And as soon as he got the opportunity, he wanted to try it out for himself. My grandmother had a component set with the turntable and the radio. I used to take that, grab another one from somewhere else and just hook them up together and, and be playing with them like I'm DJing on a radio station. That's all. I used to tear the records up. Even my uh, little sister's uh, Mickey Mouse. She had a little Mickey Mouse with the Mickey Mouse arm come out. I'm scratching on that. I just love to play music for, you know, people. I wanted people to hear the music I like. I wanted the world to hear it. I put the speaker up, and when I lived in the projects, put the speaker up in the window and just play music for the projects. I was raised all around Los Angeles. And these moves around Los Angeles weren't for opportunity. He was getting in trouble. Got kicked out of L.A. Unified School District, so I had to move with my father in Inglewood. Got ran out of there, so I had to move with my grandmother. She lived in Pacoima. Longtime listeners will remember Pacoima from the J-Roll episode. We go into the history of the area, including why a lot of black families in L.A. ended up moving to the Valley. 
but Pacoima for King T wasn't his final destination. So my mother, she met somebody in Houston, Texas, and she shipped me off to Houston, Texas. We moved out there. And this was a different world, but he kept his ambitions. All I knew was music and wanted to be a DJ on the radio station. I wanted to be a radio personality. And no matter what, he was going to find out how to do what he wanted to do. I wouldn't go to school out there, and I would always, like, skip school and go up to the college out there. They had a college, Texas Southern University, and hang out at the little radio station they had up there. They, You know, I took tricks that I've learned before I got shipped off to Houston. DJs like uh, Joe Cooley, DJ Bobcat, Wildcat. All of these DJs knew each other and were a part of Uncle Jam's Army. You hear the first here at KGFJ Stereo AM 1230 with Uncle Jam's Army Saturday Night Mix Scratch and Rap Show. <laughs> At that time in the 80s, Uncle Jam's Army was a consistent ticket into the world of hip-hop. A promoter named Roger Clayton had put together a bunch of underground DJs and put them on the radio. They also influenced King T to no end. They had a, a kids program on the college station where they play hip-hop called Kids Jam. And I was auditioning for that, you know, did the little tricks I learned from down here. And they thought I was a phenom and... Uh, they they pushed me into DJ battles. I, I'm 14 years old. Like I, I eventually started DJing for the station on Saturday mornings. Ended up getting a gig at a, a, a skating rink out there called Rainbow Skating Rink, and that's how I met uh, Lester Sir Pace. Lester Pace would buy him his first set of turntables when he was in Texas. It looked as though he found some place to belong. I was in, but I wasn't going to school. I was young, uh, insecure, didn't have the right clothes, didn't feel like I fit in, didn't feel good about myself. You know, at that age, school is, and and kids are rough on you, you know what I'm saying? And I, I just didn't want to deal with it. So I, I, I skipped school a lot and got in trouble for it. In his mind, he was trading one thing that didn't serve him, that would be school, for something that he thought he could make a career out of, DJ. But the school and his mom didn't really get the memo. So my mom didn't want to hear that shit, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, so eventually, they, you know, they even tried to come talk to her and tell her that, you know, he's a talented kid. You know, they even, you know, took responsibility for me and all. She just wasn't trying to hear it. So I ended up sometimes running away and things like that. He was running away from the life that he didn't want and running toward music full steam. It was like there was something out there that he had to capture. And for the pursuit of hip-hop, he was willing to do whatever. I sat and stole my grandfather's checkbook, wrote a check out for like two giant-ass speakers for like over $1,000. Yeah, I got in trouble for that. But he was like, wow, you know what I'm saying? You really want to do, you really on this music thing. And his crimes didn't stop at check fraud. I used to skip school and go to, it was a store out here called Zodi's and, and just sit and listen to music on, because they used to sell the big boom boxes. I would go over to the tape section slide open the cassette, steal the cassette out of the the cassette, go over to the radios and the stereos, pop the tape in and start recording the radio, the music I want just all day up in Zodi's just and make me a mixtape. This was something like a happy place for him when he was in LA. But when he did this in Texas, he ended up getting caught and that's when everything went downhill. 
got caught and there was like something like shoplifting and it was like and my mother told him I didn't want to go to school and all that. I was running away and things like that so got in, a, got in trouble down there ended up in Harris County Youth Village for a year it wasn't like prison or jail it was like a placement it was like a, it was a youth village it, it was it was madness and while he was staying in this facility his mom decided to move back to LA without him. He was already in a place that he didn't want to be, doing activities he didn't want to do. His mind was on becoming a DJ, and there was no opportunity to do that in the youth village. And now, he was all alone. I didn't have no family down there or nothing. Nobody was coming to visit, so I would run away. Like, if they took me off campus, I, I would run. And it's like he was trying to escape to his destiny. I would be on the radio that weekend on the Saturday, they, they, they up in the uh, at the youth village listening to me on the radio, so they knew where to come pick me up at. And I did it a couple of times. They basically got tired of it, and they called my grandmother, my father's mother, and she sent for me, and they they released me. I was only in there. For, they didn't have, they couldn't do nothing with me. And if I had kept running away, you know, you only get like three chances. They send you to the big dog jail. He escaped jail by mere inches. And you would think that given a second chance, he would do something different. But, you know, I'm young, still fucking up. So I ended up going back with my grandmother in Pacoima. So that's L.A. to Pacoima, Pacoima to Texas, Texas to L.A., L.A., back to Pacoima. And that's eventually how I met Scotty D. He had a feeler shop, like, right around the corner from my grandmother's house. Scotty D was a local entrepreneur who opened J&D Sportswear, where they were basically Dapper Dan on the West Coast, making these fila sweatsuits that were custom. And it didn't take long for young King T to realize this is a place where he wanted to be. Skipping school again one day, ended up walking by his store, and I saw the turntables in the back. And I, I sat there and waited till somebody came, and he popped up. And I said, oh, I'm a DJ, man. Let me show you I could DJ. I could DJ for your store and things like that. I'm from Uncle Jam's Army. Just lying. He started laughing. And I wasn't knowing he's already affiliated with Roger Clayton and Bobcat, DJ Pool, and all, you know, they come up there to the store. That's why he got the turntables there. So they just laughed at me. I was, I was a kid. But when I got on the turntables, I was able to show and prove. Young King T at this point had gone through a lot. A lot of change and a lot of trying to prove himself. No matter what state he was in or what family member he was around, he was going to find his way back to hip-hop. Coming up, Scotty D finds his place in hip-hop. Rubbing shoulders with not just Scotty D, DJ Pooh, and DJ Bobcat, but with Ice-T and eventually the Notorious B.I.G. When we come back, King T gets his opportunity to show the world what he's made of. Then he takes it to the next level with commercials and creating a group that will go down in history. Stay tuned. The holidays are here, and you know the kids in your life are going to need some new gear. Don't miss an opportunity to deck them out in the flyest of threads from our sponsor, Little Giants Giant Shorty. They've rolled out a new collection of tees, hoodies, and even outerwear as we dip into the colder months. And the gear isn't your run-of-the-mill aesthetic for kids. The electric and soulful aspects of the culture stand out in these designs while still feeling luxury and on trend. Please have your sons, daughters, nieces, and nephews looking right this holiday season. Hit up wearelittlegiants.com 
Fresherwood.com and use our promo code FRESHERA for a 15% discount at checkout. And if you're in the Los Angeles area doing some Christmas shopping, drop by the store at 4675 Hollywood Boulevard and mention Fresh Era to say. WeAreLittleGiants.com is a one-stop shop for the kids in your life this holiday season. Don't miss this opportunity to shop and save big on these amazing, authentic styles. Again, go to WeAreLittleGiants.com now and use promo code FRESHERA to save 15% off at checkout. That's WeAreLittleGiants.com. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back. King T at this point in his life was still a teenager. And he had gone through transition after transition and gotten into enough trouble to almost land him behind bars. But luckily, he was focused on his goals and landed at a Pacoima, California shop called J&D Sports. It was owned by a LAOG called Scotty D. And Scotty D was connected with everybody who was anybody in LA hip-hop. His best friend, Roger Clayton, who started Uncle Jam's Army, connected him with everybody else. Every time Roger would bring a group in, like Beastie Boys, Run DMC, LL. He would call Scotty because Scotty did, did the sweatsuits and drove everybody around, got the drugs, got the alcohol. He had a, Scotty was the person in the hood, you know what I'm saying, in Compton. And, you know, when people come from different states, they want to go to the hood. They don't want, you know what I'm saying, they want to go be able to do their thing. And that's Scotty. So as time went on and King T became a part of the fold, he became more embraced by Scotty D and everybody around him. And Scotty D wanted to give him a gift, a place to represent. And Scotty D could do that. The shop was in the valley and they were trying to get away from all that running business and things like that. But he embraced me so much. And Scotty, you know, said, we're going to put you down. You're going to be from Compton. You know, I don't know gang thing at that moment or, or whatever, but it was just like, you, you got to represent Compton. I was young and they saw the talent and things like that, and they just wanted me to represent Compton, that's all. His identity in this new phase of life as a teenager was starting to take shape, and he was doing the same with his name. I didn't like my name, Roger. I liked the name Terry. So when I was a kid, I just changed my name to Terry. At the college station, they just started calling me DJ Terry T. So that's the name I got put on the shirt and my hat and all that. I was DJ Terry T, the, the turntable dominator and all that shit. And he would also take name inspiration from one of his favorite acts. My favorite rapper out of the gate was a, a guy named Tila Rock. T-L-A-R-O-C-K. He, he was from uh, Queens, New York. Tila Rock had a song, one of the first songs to come out on Def Jam called It's Yours. I give it up to you. 
it was like blew my mind, and that's what made me want to rap. I just took his name, Tila. When I met Scotty D, he had the Fila shop, so they, just, you know, it was just it all just flowed together. Tila from the Fila shop, you know, that type of thing, and people just started calling me Tila, T L A. Now, when he met Scotty D, he also met a whole host of people that he had heard of before but had never met. Two of the people that would make a tremendous impact on his career were DJ Bobcat and a future hip hop legend in his own right, DJ turned rapper turned writer and director, DJ Pooh. You want me to ask for my bike back? You know I wouldn't trip. They were all at the shop making a name for themselves. I used to grab the mic a lot because it was a lot of DJs with Bobcat, Pooh, and other cats. And, and I, I would hop on the mic. And Pooh used to like the way I sound on the mic. You know what I'm saying? He said, you st- uh, stick to MCing. And DJ Pooh gave him another piece of crucial advice. When I started grabbing the mic and MCing, Pooh just, you should call yourself King T. And it wouldn't be long until the world was introduced to King T, the rapper. I did my first single through the Feeler Shop on Techno Hop Records. Scotty D hooked that up. He introduced me to DJ Unknown. Now, this is after Ice T. Six in the morning, police at my door. Fresh to be the squeak across my bathroom floor. See, he, he was the first because everything else on Techno Hop was like upbeat, Egyptian lover, heavy breathing. <laughs> Scotty introduced us, me and Pooh, to uh, the dude that owned the label, DJ Unknown, and we did like two singles with them, Payback Some Mother. At that time, when I did Payback Some Mother, DJ Pooh and Bobcat left for New York. Roger Clayton of Uncle Jam's Army sent DJ Pooh and DJ Bobcat up to New York to work on LL Cool J's album, Bigger and Deffer. But this didn't leave King T all alone. He was still around Scotty D and another OG in the game that would take him where he needed to go, Ice T. He was like a real player around there, you know, and his crew was like robbing jewelry stores and things like that. But they also noticed that they might have a shot with music. So it was like just mainly about hanging out and things, but they saw we also had this talent and we gonna go pursue that. He had a little notoriety because he was in the breaking movie. He was part of that Radiotron crew and all that. And as Ice-T's career was growing, he also understood that he had the opportunity to put on some of his homies. So Ice just took a liking to me, and and, uh, he took me around the world, actually. And eventually, he started managing me. That's when he created the Rhyme Syndicate situation. Rhyme Syndicate was a lot of East Coast on Robinson and Nat the Cat, uh, Spin Masters, Evil We and Henji, Bronx Style, ba- ba- Everlast. And this connection with Rhyme Syndicate would come in handy soon. As time went on, DJ Pooh and DJ Bobcat came back. Me, Bobcat, and Pooh put out this single with Greg Mack. Uh, he formed this label called Mac Daddy Records, so we went in the studio and did uh, this song called Bass. Yo, Pooh, let's drop some bass to make the wall shake. Listen to close to this 
With singles out and being around Ice-T and Rhyme Syndicate, he started to perform all around California. My first performance was at the Casa Camino Real. It was like downtown. And I was so drunk. I, was, I, I got out the car throwing up. Got to the stage. It was live on the radio. I'm cursing on the mic. But it ended up, that was King T, that they would still book me to do things like that and show up and do that because the crowd loved it. He was developing his persona on stage and on records. And he had the assistance from an OG who already knew how to play the game, Ice-T. He uh, bought me my first little Cadillac and all that and got me certain classes that I needed to capture the crowd and keep the crowd. Time to back up off of being so fucked up because you gotta remember your lyrics. That's one of the problems I always had when I was too faded. I couldn't remember my lyrics, so I kind of had to back up off that. And really just go to, he got on TV, videos, all that. That was all ice and rhyme sending. Ice-T was playing at another level, and he wanted to put King T right up there with him. But he didn't want to hoard King T's talent. They just got a major deal through, I think, Warner Brothers, Rhyme Syndicate Records and all that. But I, they, I, they didn't want me to go to Rhyme Syndicate Records. They got me my own deal, my first major deal with Capitol Records, with Tim Devine over there. And it was clear when he signed the deal with Capitol that they didn't really know what they were doing with hip-hop. They only had one other hip-hop act. The Boogie Boys. But they were from the East Coast. But on the West Coast, on Hollywood and Vine, they didn't have no urban department. I was basically signed to the pop department. So we basically got to do whatever we wanted to do. This was King T's big break. And now, not only was he recording with DJ Pooh and DJ Bobcat, he was touring with Rhyme Syndicate and had just signed his first major record deal. And it put all of that trouble he got into as a kid in context. My granddad that I stole the check from, yeah, he was happy. I bought him a brand new truck. And, and that's when he told me, you know what I'm saying? He told me he was upset, but I wasn't buying drugs. I wasn't gangbanging. And, I was pursuing my dreams, and one thing he said was, we wasn't listening. My mom said the same thing, you know, like, she didn't know, you know. It wasn't going like that back then. She went for her dreams, and it didn't work out, so she just thought that's how it is. Well, it was actually like this. King T was about to embark on a successful music career that no one could have dreamed. He was about to be a part of hip-hop history in several ways, and his impact and influence would touch everybody from the Fila shop all the way to the East Coast. Coming up, King T blows up, going from one successful record to the next. Then he creates one legendary hip-hop crew and inspires a new generation of MCs, including the Notorious B.I.G. Stay tuned. Peace. It's the one and only too real to be a phony, the real McCoy, Grand Pooba. Did you know the guys over at Stupefly are doing it strictly out of love for 90s hip-hop culture? They make it sound easy, but lots of time and money is spent on creating, writing, mixing these episodes. If you like what you hear, please do me a favor. Go to stupid-fly.com and pick up some merch to show your support. Then follow on Instagram and Facebook at Stupid Media. Also, if you haven't done so already, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Hit the subscribe button anywhere. Thank you for supporting our community of golden era gladiators. Peace. Delve into the shadows of the mind. 
with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back. After signing his first major record deal with Capitol Records, King T has already proven to his family and everyone else around him that hip-hop is going to be his vocation. Now it's time for him to get started on his first album. He and his friends would set up shop at Echo Sound Studios in California. It was my first time being able to work in a real studio. We started at a studio and it became like the studio to go to. You know, we we bought Ice Cube there, Scarf, everybody. You know, everybody started recording there. It was lovely. You know, you got to hear your your voice on a real mic, and you get to get mixed on this big SSL. And you know, it was it was great. He was getting his feet wet in the industry, and he was recording his first album, Act a Fool. Well, no, 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 no. Let me go back. When I signed the deal with Capitol Records to do the Act of Fool album, like I said, Pooh and Bob and them were also out there in New York doing LL Cool J. So they had worked at Chung King. Chung King is a legendary hip-hop studio where acts like the Beastie Boys and LL Cool J will record albums. I was like, wow, I'm at Chung King Studio. I was excited, man. And while he was in the building, he recorded an album. Act of Fool was recorded in New York. <laughs> Not quite the story you would expect from a rapper representing Compton. But considering King T's influences, it actually makes sense. Me and Pooh were heavily influenced by East Coast rap. What was going on at that time, Eric B and Rakim, EPMD, Biz Markie, Big Daddy Kane, Juice Crew was like, that was it. So you could hear that influence when I rap. King T's debut album, Act the Fool, was released in November of 1988. It hit the U.S. Billboard 200 chart, peaking at number 125 and number 35 on the top R&B hip-hop albums chart. And that single, Bass... Bass to make your heart chiffer. I know you remember back when he used to wear silver butter gave it a talk Cause I was told that you're not a real B-boy without real gold to I. It hit number 19 on the Hot Rap Songs chart. And with the successful album, it was time to go on tour. And to promote the album, the label set up the Act of Fool tour with King T, Ice Cube, and Too Short. We were kids, man. We, You know, we, after the show, we'd hit a Denny's and act like we're starting a fight up in there just to get all the customers, like, scared. You're doing kids shit, you know. And we used to do that in parties. We... 
we would try to take the hood element everywhere we went. We wanted everybody to be scared of us. The other element that was with him everywhere that he went was alcohol. And before too long, that particular element became a professional opportunity. Greg Mack introduced us to this guy, uh, Minot. His father owned a beer company. And that beer company, Mackenzie River, produced a product that will become a household name for hip-hop fans. St. Ives. We used to do a lot of commercials for K-Day and the uh, Mac Attack and all that. Poole used to produce uh, Bobby Jimmy and the Critters, all the look, because he had a show on K-Day too. So it was only natural when they got the pitch. Greg Mack came to us, won't y'all do a, 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 30, a 60 second rap about this beer. Hey, on the streets of LA, I'm going out, been hanging around the house all day, so I'll rush to the liquor store, pull up on the side, rush into the place, grab a case of St. Minded and DJ Pooh ended up, I think, uh, ultimately striking a deal to where in charge of production and marketing for uh, Mackenzie River. And they brought all of their friends in hip-hop along with them. We bought Ice Cube in. Then we bought in Snoop Dogg. Then we went to the East Coast Biggie, Wu-Tang Clan. And this arrangement was working out very well for King T. Beer was that. That was my thing. And they used to drop off cases to my apartment in a big beer truck. Like, so it was just, we used to wake up drinking foldies. He had the world right in front of him. He was still a kid, but now he had a record deal. And he was constantly working. All of this was a dream come true. But at the time, it was kind of hard to focus on that. I wasn't thinking about it like that back then. You know, I was a kid, very immature about things. I didn't have a lot of respect for a lot of things. I just thought, I knew I was lucky, blessed around the right people. I just didn't realize what I really had back then and, and how I really should have took that serious. I, I I just knew I was blessed. He was blessed, and by every metric, he was successful. This became evident in 89 as he was recording his second album, At Your Own Risk. His label, Capitol Records, who hadn't had much experience with hip-hop, was pleased. They admitted a lot of stuff right on, like, we don't know what we're doing. We have no urban department. All they, you know, the only person they had was George Clinton and a couple of other R&B acts, but they didn't know anything about hip-hop and all that. They basically let us do whatever we wanted to do, you know what I'm saying? And things got created because of us. Departments got created. So the second album, it was all love. They were ready to roll. So along with DJ Pooh and his DJ E-Swift, they started to craft his sophomore album. DJ Pooh hopped in the crates and pulled out Save the World by Southside Movement. Those iconic drums will contribute to the song Rough Rhyme. It's pure skill, I possess in my possession. A crazy rhythm in my funky horn section. And who hyped up this funky old track? So I thought about it. I'm coming. Before his second album would release in 1990, he got the call to be a part of West Coast hip-hop history. The request came from founding member of the Crips, Mike Conception. He had gotten together with Dr. Dre to produce a song to address gang violence. A song called We're All in the Same Gang. The Mean Streets took six more lives overnight, all the result of gang bang stupidity. 
My Conception had clout. And with this influence, he was able to pull together a super group. And it was comprised of nothing but heavy hitters from the West Coast. Acts like King T, Body and Soul, Def Jeff, Michelle, Tone Loke, Above the Law, Ice T, NWA, JJ Fad, Young MC, Digital Underground, Oak Towns 357, MC Hammer, and Easy E. As a fan, if you walked into this room while they were recording, it would have been crazy. But for King T, it was something different. Y'all be acting like this. It was like, <laughs> it's it would seem monumental. But no, we were, everybody on that record was, had been around each other. We all, this is, we all coming up together. We were friends. You know what I'm saying? I used to go like, kick it over easy uh, mom's house all the time when we were doing just mixtapes. When I was just DJing, me and Dre and uh, Raby and Prince, y'all, we used to do put them mixtapes together in the back of his mom's house and go sell them at the rodeo. We was just young cats, friends coming up together. So when it came time to do that, we just met up at uh, Audio Achievements where uh, they did all the NWA shit at. And Dre and, and Mike Conception just rap on this. It's straight up madness everywhere I look. Used to be a straight A student. Now it's a crook robbing people just to smoke and shoot up. Used to have a poop cut. Now it's a poop butt. Dropped out of school and joins the neighborhood gang. Hanging on the street selling cane. Two was on now when I say people, I mean color. You a stupid motherfucker. I'm trying to stress the fact that you're dumb. Get yourself presentable, son, and just come. Together you're better, because pretty soon it's going to be too late. A message from King T. The Great. And this song blew up. I mean really blew up. The music video was on all the time, and they even appeared on the Arsenio Hall Show. Performing their anthem for Peace Weekend. We're all in the same gang. Give it up for the West Coast Rap All-Stars. And around that same time, the title track for his album, At Your Own Risk, was being remixed by the one and only Marley Marl. This was a big deal for King T. Remember, he grew up on the West Coast, but heavily influenced by the East Coast. Marley Marl was one of those influences. And to make it even crazier, this remix would go on to be used as the theme song for BET's Rap City. Ice called me to the office one day, and I had a new, brand new Benz waiting for me, 300. Like I'm like, what am I getting this for? And then your 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 song is being used as an intro on Rap City, and I was like, what? And then every day I used to hear it coming on. And as the '90s continued, he stayed consistent in finding new opportunities for himself in hip hop. This time, it was creating a crew. His DJ, E. Swift, was in a group with a rapper named J-Ro, and they were all friends, stemming back to their time at Scotty D's Fila Shop. So one day, King T and DJ Pooh get together and they start thinking. Cube put the lynch mob on, did the album. Fat Joe had Terror Squad. It was the era of the crews. So we like, so what are we going to call Because we got crew, we got niggas hanging around all the time. What are we going to that think they can rap? So what are we going to call our crews? So... We had a choice between, you know, pool love, smoking weed. It was either the Daily Chronics or the Alcoholics. Everybody loved the Alcoholics. And thus, the group The Alcoholics was born. I was living in Hollywood at the time. We booked a studio around the corner from my house called Your Mama's House. We just started doing songs, and it took off from there. 
Then from there, Exhibit came. That's when the liquid was formed. And King T was still working. In 1993, he dropped his third album on Capitol Records, the Trifling Album. And now he could enlist the help of the alcoholics. The alcoholics. Jumps the man with the loop. Rocking like a troop with the alcoholic group. Everything is kosher. Got a little taller. Living kind of fat because King T's a baller. King T's The Trifling Album was released in January of 1993, and it peaked at number 17 on the top R&B hip-hop albums chart and served as the perfect alley-oop to the alcoholics. My third album with Capitol, that's when I started getting serious. That's when I created the group and the production company. And he was feeling the love everywhere, including New York City. The people that always took care of me out there were people like Big Daddy Kane and Biggie before he was Biggie, you know. And legend has it, Biggie gave King T a lot of props when it came to his rap style. People talk about, you know, my style. He just, nah, he did. I think we doted off each other. We used to talk about it a lot, but it ain't what people talk about now, you know. You know we was just good friends. And by the fourth album, which wasn't on Capitol, was with Universal. We're running our own production company, so I get to do what I want. You know what I'm saying? So I would try a lot of shit. And one of the things he tried on this album was a song called Dippin', which was dedicated to the lowriders. Cause my trade does flips, the super green three with the lifts. I guess I got my whole day planned and I'm trippin'. Quick to hit the switch, so let's go dippin'. Let's go dippin'. And luckily, the, the Lowrider song worked out. King T's album, For Life, was released in March of 1995. And again, he made an appearance on Billboard, reaching number 23 on the top R&B hip-hop albums chart and number 10 on the Heat Seekers album chart. As the years went on, his deep roots in the West Coast would pay off again. This time, he signed with his friend Dr. Dre's label, Aftermath. We were all there, same people that came in the game together. And they, you know, that's what was supposed to happen. We worked on it. I worked heavy on it. Some of the best work I ever did. It got to the point to where we were getting ready to release and we shot videos and things like that. And I don't want to blame it on him, but this kid came along and just, they just shut shit down. Eminem. I got discouraged. I got scared. Something I regret to this day, and I asked to be released. And as time went on, King T would eventually find himself back in the spotlight. His song bass was used in the soundtrack to the 2021 award-winning film King Richard, starring Will Smith. Almost Venus Williams. Yes, you keep that stance open. That's I'm gonna come down there and tickle you. Very good. Very good. Get to it. Get to it. Get to it. There you go. I was happy. You know, I thought people forgot about me, but it was a movie about two sisters from what I've been representing all my life, and they made me a part of that, and they they solidified it. I was that was, I was part of that. No matter what, King T's legacy is secure. He found his identity in music and was able to make all of that trouble he got into as a kid make sense. Fresh 
Trash Era is a Stupid Fly production. Written and edited by me, Craig Smith, and made great by the amazing DJ Cheap Shot. Chris Barnett makes magic happen. Sean Berman is our mix engineer. Music by The Math Club. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Be sure to share this episode with a friend because the greatest gift you can give us is sharing these stories with someone you know will love them. Follow us on Instagram at Fresh Era Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode of Fresh Era.